0: Tell you what, we've already had worship. We're already crying. So we got the crying part out of the way. We might do a little bit more of that, but uh, man, we're we're already having church, right? Yeah. Woo! All right, so uh, guys, uh, I'm excited. I I've really enjoyed um, working with my my wife, my wonderful wife, on on these messages and and. Um, have you? Huh? It was, Have you? I, I've, I've enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoy most of the time with my wife on these messages. Uh, so this whole fam, this whole this whole month has been really um, focused on the family. One of the things I, I I I felt the Lord so strongly lay on my heart a year ago is that we've got we've got to put we've we've got to put our time into this in the family. We've got to, we got to raise men up to be godly men. We've got to raise women up to be godly women so that we have godly children so that we know what this is supposed to look like. So okay. we've, got to, we've got to get this figured out, guys, because mm-hmm. here's the deal. The devil is attacking our family.
1: That's right.
0: Right? If there's one area he wants to destroy, it's going to be the family. If he destroys the family, he's already destroyed the church because the church is made up of the family. So, guys, today, last week actually, last week we discussed God's uh, original intent with with the marriage. What did God, when He designed this, what did He, what did He, um, what was the purpose of it? How did it supposed to look? And today we're going to discuss when marriage goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reality is this marriage, in every marriage, usually there's a point where the marriage is going wrong. I mean, there was a point where Barbara and I were on the, on, the, uh, on the wrong road headed to the danger zone, right? Danger zone. I was waiting for you. Come on, where are you, Josh? Come on, I even, I even,
1: right? You, you
0: missed it. Next time, okay. <laughs> oh, there'll be a next one. You better, better start tuning up. So the purpose of today, what, what I w- really want to accomplish today with, with our time together is this. Um, I, I want us to show the signs. What are the signs? When, uh, when we find our marriage in the danger zone. I'm just kidding. He <laughs> <laughs> <I> was nervous. <laughs> but I want to show you the signs. And here's the reality is that we all have been there. And if you haven't been there and you're married, you will be. There's, because the Bible says that in marriage, in, the, in marriage, you will have trouble. So trouble is going to come. If you're not experiencing it now and you're married, you will. Okay. Um, I also want to talk about and, and show you the reasons in America um, why divorces are happening. Okay, Because the reality is this. Divorce has affected every one of us in this room in some way. Yep. Maybe you've gone through one. Maybe you've seen a friend or a child or a parent go through it. But every one of us, in some way, our families have been, have been um, influenced and affected by, uh, uh, by divorce. And then also the last thing, and I hope that you hear me because we both have parents here today. Our parents had been divorced. Um, And so I want people to know also there's life after divorce. Mm -hmm. Divorce is not the impardonable sin that you can't recover. And I've seen a lot of people who had been divorced and then they found... Um, a godly person in their life and then God has used that second marriage and, and, and turned the world upside down all around them. I've met some godly, amazing pastors that have been divorced and remarried and God is using. So I want you to know, I, I am for the marriage and we will always fight for marriage, but there are times when divorce happens and we want people to know that, that God can still use you and God mm. still has a plan. Everybody hear me on that? It is important. Um, we w- we want to fight for every you know we want to fight for, for marriage and and fight for what it can be. So I'm going to start right off off out of the gate with the national divorce rate. The national divorce rate is 45% of marriages end in divorce. 45%. 45. In America, this isn't a, this is America. 41% of first time marriages end in divorce. This is where I thought it got a little interesting in a bad way. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. And 73% of third marriages end in divorce. I'm sitting there going, that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why is, why is the number, it should be like, oh, we learned from that. Let's, but, but, but see, that's, but that's the problem is that, that I think what happens is a lot of times what we do is we we get into a marriage where, where we're blaming the other person. We, we get, we're going to talk about that here in a little while, but we kind of blame that other person. They're the, they're the reason we're getting divorced. That's the reason. That's the reason. And both people are pointing the finger at the other one, and then all of a sudden they get divorced, and they're not doing any work on themselves. They're not ready for the next relationship. They jump into another relationship that goes into marriage, and they didn't fix any of the problems the first time.
1: And they have baggage from the first one going into it. That's right. A lot of times, even on top of just like jumping right into second marriage and not working on yourself, you also have the fact of like you've already had one divorce, so you have another way out. So if this one doesn't work, then I'll just get out of that one. Or if that one doesn't work, I'll just get out. You're already starting the second and third marriages with a scapegoat, a well,
0: way out. Right. And what, what you're talking about is this. When you – the first time, it's, it's really hard to quit. Right. But then once you've quit, it gets easier after there to quit another time and Mm -hmm. to quit another time and to quit another time. And so the thing is, a lot of times it becomes easier for us, and we don't want that. Um, Why don't you tell us, Barbara, about about the effects? Uh, Because both of us, our parents, my parents were divorced. Her parents were divorced. Divorce has a lot of effect on children. A lot of the parents don't ever realize. Yeah.
1: We have personal, our own personal grounds we stand on with effects. But even as a, as when I was working with the children, as a children's director, you know, you'd see it with the children. But... And you're, and you're trying to teach the children, but of course, on Sundays, I only have one day, you know, and that's maybe an hour or two with the children. But children of divorced parents have up to 60% greater chances of divorce than children raised with, with non-divorced parents.
0: So let, let me break this down for you. If there's a 45% divorce rate, and then those children of that divorce now have a 60% greater chance, what it's saying is that children of divorce have 78% chance of not making it. We defy the odds.
1: That's right. And with that, a lot of times we don't realize as parents, we are showing them the roadmap of way marriages are supposed to work. So then on not only looking at the statistics of divorce, but you also turn around, and look at yourself and say, what kind of marriage am I showing my children to expect
0: well, from that, that, marriage? That's a great point. What you're saying is, is that we, we have the, the, your kids that are living in your home. You're the model. Mm hmm. So, they're watching you to figure out what does marriage look like? What does a healthy relationship look like? What is it supposed to look like? And then, when we're not showing that example, what do they have? Right. The example of what doesn't work. So, guys, this is, this is one of those things where I want to challenge you. If things aren't going great in your home, change it. Yep. Change it. It doesn't have to be that way. Sorry, I'm getting off. That's All right. right. Keep and,
1: and then, along with the, just the, the roadmap of it, 21% of these children, of the, uh, the U.S. children of divorced parents, 21% of them are being raised without their fathers.
0: All right, so i got to jump in again. Uh, this, I know this is all her spots. I'm yeah. not supposed to talk. That's right. But, you know, I'm a preacher. What am I going to do? I'm thirsty, so, so I'll just drink yeah, there water. There we times. go. So here's the thing. Guys, all you men, I, I want to challenge you. I, I'm looking at a lot of men. You need to be at this men's conference. The book that we're going to be handing out to every man, and if, there is, if, if there's a financial issue that, that is in the way, it's not. Money will never be the problem. If you want to go and you don't have the money to, to, to pay the, we'll, we'll cover it. Don't you worry about that. Money's never going to be the issue. But here's the deal. This book, uh, "Wild at Heart," it talks a lot about fathers, and one of the things that John Eldridge brought out in this book is he says, "Only a man can draw the man out of a son. I hope that you hear me. It is the man who has to draw. So here's the deal. A lot of times what's happening is these fathers are not in the homes anymore. So what's happening is you have single mothers trying to figure out how do, because they're not a man. A woman is not a man. will never be a man. It's kind of like on the farm. You lift up the tail, you know what you're dealing with. Okay? A woman is not going to be a man. So the mother thinks like a woman, is a woman, talks like a woman, acts like a woman. Hopefully. All the things like that, right? Well, the other side of that is this she is not, she does not have the gift sets to draw a man out of a boy. That's why we have a lot of boys getting married today and trying to figure out how to be families because no one ever brought the man out of the boy. That's right. It's the man's job. All right. Sorry. Again. (laughs) <laughs> sorry. Well, I don't know <laughs> if I can really. top that. No, but, no, sorry at all. But <laughs> another,
1: another statistic. I'm going to kind of change your.
0: Uh, you just do your, what you want. You go with what you feel. Okay.
1: Good to know. All right. Children of divorce. Uh, children of divorce tend to have major behavioral issues, especially during the ages of seven to fourteen. A lot of times, because that's kind of the developmental issue, like changes in uh, boys and girls between ages of. of seven and 14. So they have, they have major behavioral issues in school and home. A lot of times you'll see a lot of kids react, uh, acting out. And right along with that, chil- or children of divorce are four times more likely to have social issues, not knowing how to process feelings of regret, shame and bitterness. Which, which includes which, forgiveness. Which, which includes forgiveness. A lot of times, and that on top of everything else emotional and changes that a child is feeling, children of divorce are twice as likely to, um, to attempt suicide. Mm. They have all these feelings and not know where to do with them and the only thing they have is the way out is to take their own life. So they're twice as likely to, to attempt suicide. The thing is, as parents of children in, within the divorce, a lot of times out of my own personal experience is that you have one parent that will freely talk in regards to the other other ex-spouse, so I I as a my own personal experience I had to sit back and listen to to a parent degrading another parent. That is very hurtful, especially when, as a child of both the parents, I am fifty percent that parent that you are degrading. So then I, in turn, inside my own heart, take on that role with that degrading, whether it's, oh, they're stupid, they're blah, blah, blah. They're, they're degrading the parent. Whatever they say about that parent, I am now engulfing my own heart because that parent that you're degrading is makes up 50% of who I am. So then we're wondering why these kids between ages of 7 and 14 are struggling with all these different shame. A lot of times us as parents aren't helping. We're, we're helping or hindering that development in that child as a parent. So again, us as parents are, that that's the roadmap that we're showing these children, and we're wondering why these children are so confused, don't know who they are, and are dealing with all these weird emotions, and we're wondering what what as parents are we doing for our children? You know, whether it's we're, we're married and divorced, whether we're, you know, I have children in my own home that are adopted into my own home, you know, and am I am I being the right parent for them? You know, so there's different things. As parents, we have to Instruct our children on the way they raise and the way their emotions deal with divorce, adoption, all those different feelings these little children are feeling.
0: So 70%, listen to this, 70% of prison inmates come from broken homes. Yep. Watch it, 70%. 70% of inmates in prison come from broken homes. I'm wanting you to understand that if you are in a marriage that is struggling, uh, you, you have to count the cost. Anytime that you're considering... And and your your life is thinking about what does life. you have to count the cost because most of the time we walk into it I want out. I want out. I want out And we don't count the cost of what that does down the road for other people Okay, so I hope that you hear so um, I found some shocking findings I I thought of zeb the whole time because he's like, well, that's a shocker when it's absolutely not a shocker, right? (laughs) while we were Playing with Google and looking up different things, uh, I Googled like the, the, the careers that had the, the careers revolved around the highest divorce rate. Number one, exotic dancers. Shocker. If you are thinking about being a dancer, Shocker. don't. Shocker. Okay. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> if you're going to be a dancer, uh, it's not going to be good, all right? Number one, right? Number one. Number two is bartenders. Right, okay, number three is massage therapist now as we i mean you know you look at that and you're like, that makes sense, all of those make sense right you you got you got a a a woman rubbing on a, a man's back that's not her man right i mean that's at some point these these things are 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 that's that's not okay, moving along so <laughs> it's getting awkward for me, and my wife's staring at me so then. Then I, also, then, then I also looked up, well, what are, if those are the worst, right, that's the, that's the wrong direction, right? What's the lowest divorce rates? Number one, farmers. If you're married to a farmer, yeah, all right? <laughs> Shannon's like, woo, all right, we got it. Now then what comes in at number two, so I was like, man, I'm feeling pretty good. So I got a sheep farm, right? That's what we're calling it anyways. She calls it a hobby farm. But anyway, so, so I feel like I, number two is clergy. All right, number two is clergy, so I've got one and two. Well,
1: I I find it kind of odd that farmers are above clergy, but go ahead. I know, but that that is weird.
0: So the third one was architects and, like, construction. I thought, well, maybe that's... Because they're, they're builders. They know how to build good things. Or they're really tired after the end of the day. Right. Or they're really <laughs> tired. So, either way. So, so, then, um, so, so that's what we found there.
1: So then let me ask this question, Daniel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is the divorce rate within the church? You've talked about some, some issues, yep. you know, of oh, them yeah. being the lowest so, ones. So. Right. So
0: I, I, did some, I did some research. I went to a, a really cool website, Gospel Coalition. And they actually, I was like, what is the divorce rate for people who attend church regularly? Not like Easter and Sunday, but I mean like they're really there, right? So they said that the the sad truth is this, that most pastors tell their churches that the divorce rate inside the church is the same as that of the nation. That is not true. Not even close. So um, according to the Gospel Coalition they have found that those who regularly attend church are 35% less likely to get a divorce. So when you take the 35% less likely and you put that with the national average, those who attend church have about a 25% chance. 25. I mean, it's, that's still high, but you know what? It, it, it's not 45. It's not 45. And so... And I and I I did the math, so it so, could be so wrong. Then,
1: so then let me get this. Could be, could be wrong. So so then what's the point of all of this? So the
0: point is this go to church or you'll get a divorce. I'm just kidding, no go, no no so no, so what I'm <laughs> wanting I, but here's the thing is I started like there is a reason why the, the lowest percentage of divorce is from people who attend church, because think about this. If you have a pastor who, who truly cares about the body, he's going to be teaching about forgiveness, he's going to be teaching about reconciliation, he's going to be teaching about, hey, how do you work through problems? How do you get over fights? And so what happens is, the more that you learn how to navigate relationships, and a pastor is never going to say, hey, I just think you should go get a divorce. That's not, we never want that for people. What we want for people is that there's a reconciliation. That's what we want for everyone. So the thing is, that's not what happens for everyone, but that's what we want. That's the and goal. so when you, have, mm-hmm. when you have a church that's fighting for marriage and fighting for relationships and fighting for what's healthy, that's, 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 why, that's why the percentage is lower. That's right. That's All right. right. So on last, just moving on from
1: yeah, so yeah, uh, squirreling out, uh, last week we started out in Genesis 2. So with God's original intent on marriage, so God created marriage, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. then it was a perfect marriage. It's
0: perfect. It yeah? was perfect because God created it, right? literally
1: a marriage made by God, right? Right,
0: so it's a marriage made in heaven. All right, sure. all right, come on now. So then See how here?
1: does something that was so perfect, this perfect marriage made in heaven or paradise, you would say? Right. How did it go so wrong so quickly?
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, a lot of times when we, when we do counseling, one of the things that I find is how often people, when they come in, they're so excited, right? And I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Just wait until after the honeymoon. <laughs> then the work begins, you know. So, um, but, but they're, they're you know, like, I found the one. Come on. Only the one. There's only two of you that laughed at that because, I mean, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> like, so many people are like, I found the one. I'm like, oh, boy. That's so dangerous when we start talking about the one, right? Because then what happens is this. I married the one, and then when problems start happening, then you start going, did I marry the one? Is it possible that the one is still out there and I haven't met her yet? And all or of a him. sudden it's not or him, right? And so then all of a sudden then what you begin to do is you begin to go, "Oh man, I may be I may have married the wrong one. You see, the problem with one, alright, I'm gonna tell you. When when Adam was created, there was only one woman. So he did marry the one. Literally married the one. The only one, right? Come on, now that's funny. Come on, yeah, lack of choices. You got <laughs> I, me you're gonna get me, you, stop well, you me. you're gonna get me in trouble. If, so,
1: the funny thing is, we talked about the one, you know. God, the Father, literally made the one and, and brought the one. So what I took out of it is if we let the Father pick the one, maybe it would work out, right?
0: Right, right. So <laughs> so, so Eve was literally the only one, and there was still trouble in paradise, and literally they lived in paradise. I mean, think about it. God made this. He made it perfect. He put it in there. They're there, Right. And, and, the, and, and the Garden of Eden translates paradise. So, I mean, you're, you're, they're living in paradise. There's no other ones for Adam to think about. There's only one. Right? But yet
1: there was still trouble.
0: And that, there was trouble. Right? So,
1: so then where did the perfect marriage go wrong?
0: So, in Genesis chapter 3, let's look. So... In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it says this, The serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, You may eat from the trees in the garden, God did say, but you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. We know that that's not what God said. So she's already she, she he didn't talk about touching it. They could have built a tree house there. That's fine. Whatever. You don't eat it. So Then the devil then the serpent said you will not certainly die for God knows when you eat of from it Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good from evil. Now listen to this when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good For food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Then she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Who was with her. Who was with her. Important. Do not miss that part. Who was with her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked, and they sewed some fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay.
1: Sorry, I was still thinking about sewing leaves together. Have you ever tried sewing leaves together? Where to get the thread?
0: Yeah, right, right. Noodle. So now, so Barbara, where did this go wrong? You, you look at it from, from Eve. Where did Eve go wrong here?
1: Well, well, when I stop and think about kind of that, that verse, that, that scripture where Eve won, as I would look and say, she was entertaining conversations with the devil. Right? I mean, right then and there, anytime you're going to entertain conversation, you're looking for God to twist and, and rearrange, or not God, Satan to rearrange, change things and confuse you. Right? So right there. Another thing would be, is that where in this conversation was Eve being the easer? Last week we found out that easer means assistant or helpmate. So where was Eve being the helpmate within this relationship of two becoming one? Right?
0: So, so what happens is we see this role reversal. She takes lead and then Adam backs up, gives lead away and stands back and plays an assistant without playing an assistant. See, here's the deal. I want you to take note of a couple of things that you can see in the passage first. Adam's there. Adam is there, right? He's, it, the Bible clearly says who was with her. Adam was there, right? And so then Eve took the lead role in the conversation. She didn't include her spouse, but he didn't jump in. When she said something that wasn't true, he didn't say, Hey, Eve, that's actually not what God said. God said you must not eat it. It doesn't have anything to do with touching it. When the the conversation started getting in and she started looking at the fruit was good, he said, Honey, we probably should put put a put in this right now. Let's pray about this. Let's go talk to the Father about this decision. But what happened is he just stood by and he took a back seat to a major decision in life. Decisions. And so I find a lot of times in marriages where 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 men will often make the decisions and then notify the wife or vice versa that everybody's just they're in it for themselves. They just make whatever decision they want. That's not how it's supposed to be. When you make when you go off on your own and do what you want to do, this is what happens. And so what happened is, is he did not do anything. Then he allowed her, he let this happen, he let this unfold, he allowed her to eat, and then he decided he knew it was wrong, he did it anyways, right? So what I see is that the man, it's a complete role reversal. When this marriage made in paradise, it went wrong when we stopped doing it God's way. That's right. When God was the creator, it's, marriage is his idea. It's not America's idea. It wasn't the Romans' idea. It is God's idea. It was God's plan. When we stay in line with God, that's when things typically go a lot better. So then, so then how did, did God fix it? So um, in, in, in the next verses to follow, Adam is he's hiding. Okay, so... Um, if you hit it too much, it'll go backwards. Okay, so he's hiding, and he hears the, the God walking in the garden, and then God says, where are you, Adam? And Adam's like, I'm, I'm here. Well, why are you hiding? Well, I was afraid, and I'm naked. Well, who told you you were naked, God said. God said, well, who told you? Did you eat of the, of the fruit that you weren't supposed to? Now... Then Adam, this is, this is a pivotal moment in, in, in marriage, then, then Adam says, well, God, the woman you made, the woman you, listen, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you didn't give me any choices, right, didn't give me any choices, and you made her, I mean, you know, so if really we're going to get, it's your fault. I mean, you see, what I'm saying is that what we, what we often do is we play this blame game. So instead of Adam saying, you know what? I failed as a leader. I failed as a priest of the house. I didn't teach her the word right. I didn't, I didn't stand up for what was right. I didn't take lead. I, I, I made a mistake. No, what he says is the woman you made, God, and you put her in my house, she's the one, right? Then God says, Eve, what did you do? She says, the devil made me do it. You see, the serpent tricked me. He deceived me. You see, the problem is, is that as long as you're playing the blame game in your relations, see this, here's the deal, this isn't just about marriage. Any relationship, any dating, any parenting, all relationships, the moment you start playing the blame game, okay, when you start blaming people, you start blaming the other one for things not going right, most likely you're the problem. Because what happens is this, I don't want to take responsibility, so I'm shifting responsibility to the one, I want to find a scapegoat out of this. I want to come out looking good, so I've got to make somebody else look bad. Worse or worse. Right. It's
1: like that one thing that we tell kids, that when you point fingers, you've got three more pointing back at you.
0: Until you go to basic training and they're doing this. <laughs> Push. I remember that all the time. I'm like, man, I can't say you got fingers pointed back at yourself. So, all right. Now, so what I do want us to do is as we're on this, um, I, I, God fixed the roles, right? Mm-hmm. So what he said to them. He
1: highlighted them. He had to he, spell them right. out for us.
0: So what he said to them is this. He said to her, he says, because you've done this, because you've done this, you're, you're, you're going to have severe child pains during childbearing, painful labor. You will give birth to children. Your desire is going to be for the man. And he's going to rule over you. Now, this is God's words, not my words. So if you get mad, you're like, you know, you sexist and throw something at me. You've got to take that up with the Lord. This is his word. I'm just telling you what it says. But it does say that. The woman, Eve, your desire, the woman's desire is going to be for the man. And he's going to rule over you. Because you did this, you're going to have pain when you have kids. Your desire is going to be for the man. And he's going to rule over you. Okay? Okay. Because God didn't, he wasn't playing games anymore. He said, you know what? I, I created you like this. You're to be his helpmate. All of a sudden he goes, no, this is how it's going to be. Then he looks over at the man. Because you listened to your wife. Now. Where are you going? This is biblical proof that wives are not always right. Come on, a guy, get an amen, men. They're, they're all like. Cowards.
1: Cowards. You're all cowards. <laughs> like, Come and, on. Amen.
0: So, here's the thing. All joking as, aside. All joking aside, you know, how do you make a, a message as, as tough as this one be where it's a little bit easier to, 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 to pallet, you know. So, but here's the thing, as he says, because you listened to your life wife and ate the fruit of the tree that I commanded you, you must not eat from. Listen to this. You know, when we look at the consequences that Eve had. They were pretty severe, right? I mean, those are pretty tough, right? Pain. Every time you have a child, you're remembered of Eve and what happened there, right? But look what he said. He said something to Adam that didn't just involve Adam. Everything that God said to Eve was only for Eve. You will have pain. Your desire will be. But he says to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. See, a lot of times what happens is, you know, women think that the men got off easy. This isn't getting off easy because God said, the whole world is cursed because of what you did. You didn't lead when you were supposed to lead. You weren't the man when you were, I created you to lead your home, and now the home is cursed because you didn't lead. You see, that's what he's saying. He's saying, cursed is the ground because you didn't do what I created you to do. This is why I'm so much harder on the men because God created us to do what God created us to do. And he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles. and You will eat of it the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat the food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. Dust you are and dust you will return. That wasn't easy. easy. It, neither one got pleasant circumstances. Mm-mm. Neither one of them. So, Barbara, is that was that a, a consequence that was only for Eve at that point?
1: No. And, and just like Danny had shared earlier, one of the consequences that Eve had was pain during childbirth. Well, and the question is, if it was just for the Old Testament, do we still have pain when we give birth? Okay. Unless you have medical intervention, you still have pain. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is that that consequence is still there. A lot of times, like we talked about last week, wanting to be with our husbands, wanting to go on adventures with our husbands, you know, that was one of those desires will be for the husband, and he will rule over you. That was another consequence. But not just those back in the, or in, in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. so if you submit to the Lord then you should also submit to your own husband. and I like to say your husband because there's been so many times even as pastor and wife, I see women respect and show authority like show my husband his authority within the church but yet they don't show their husbands. So it's one of those things where it's plainly black and white says submit to your own husbands. not saying that you know I don't respect other men in the church, but it's one of those things where if I'm showing another man more respect than I show my husband, mm. then there's a problem there. There is a problem. You know, right? For the husband Absolutely. is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is... Uh, sorry, the head of the church, his body. So our church is God's body for which God is the, or Jesus is the Savior. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband.
0: And, and for the men... It's still so. So that helpmate is still in play. When God created that first marriage, and His intention was that Eve would be the helpmate. That's still there. That's still there. So whether you're in marriage, you're thinking about marriage, um, or you're looking to be married someday, this is something that you have to keep in mind. These are roles that God set in 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 place. But for the men, He said in First Peter 3:7, "Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with great respect." As the weaker partner. And here's the thing is, is when I read that, I'm like, whoo, that's, that's some tough wording, right? But here's the thing is, I don't look at my wife as, as a, a symbol of weakness. What I do is I look at my wife and I have great respect and I'm considerate towards her. I don't treat her in a way that would make my wife feel like she was weak. Does everybody understand that? I and mean, the thing is, is that I don't walk around like, hey. So what we have employed in our own marriage, right? What we've employed is this. We we say this every once in a while. Fifty one forty nine. There are times where we don't agree on something, but a decision still has to be made. And a lot of times, it was my wife that will usually say, "You know what, honey? Fifty one. You make it." Well, then that usually lets me know that I'm like, "Okay, well." I'm, I will I'm gonna...
1: say though, I'm going to add in there yep. because there was time when in our younger years <laughs> where I would do that. Knowing that the plan he was going to do was going to fail, I'd be like, "You know what? Your leader, 51." So then, when it failed, what would I do? I told you so. <laughs> right? That's not right life? either. That's not good. That's not good. No, that's not that. That's not that. Uh, Easer, that assistant, that helpmate in life.
0: So the other part is so the the husband is to be the leader, but also the priest in in Ephesians 5 it says husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and I want I'm going to I want I want you to see this men you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church and I want you to hear me because Christ literally sacrificed himself for the church so if you are don't have that kind of love then you don't then you're not fulfilling this passage of what a husband is a husband is to have the kind of love that sacrifices himself for her and here's what i find in so many men so many men are very selfish self-centered because a lot of times we do this i love you as long as it's convenient with me as long as we're doing the things i want to do the moment you have me going Doing this and going over here and doing that. And the moment that I don't like it is the moment that I have an issue and my love meters are not very high because I don't want to do this.
1: But if you want to go fishing or hunting, you better, (laughs) come on, husband or wife, let's go.
0: So when you are called to love her as Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for her. If you're not ready to give yourself up, For her, then you're not ready for marriage. That's
1: right. And I will say, wives, if your husband would echo that verse, how hard would it really be to submit to him? It wouldn't as a
0: wife. So it also says in that same verse, as he is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, it says and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. This is priesthood, my friends. Men, you are to be the priest of the home. That we are to be talking about the Lord. We're to be talking about the Word. We're to be the leaders in family devotions. That's what the man is supposed... That's what it means to be a leader. Not just providing. In fact, it, it, actually, in none of the roles or expectations here, it doesn't talk about the money. But what happens is we've allowed the man, okay, you're the provider. And that, I can't tell you how many books I've read. You're the provider and the protector. And I'm, we should provide. We should protect. That's not our primary role. Our primary role is to be the spiritual leader of our home. Yeah. That's the number one. Number one. Before providing, before protecting, my number one role as a, as a husband is to love my wife and to lead her into the word. That's number one. Number one. You know, however much money
1: and how, how big a phone or that you can give your kids, is not going to matter. Because one day they're going to stand before the Lord and Savior. And have you prepared your child and your wife and each other for that moment? You know, and a lot of times we don't think about that. But when you have a son that is 14 and had to stand before God before you, it changes things in your life.
0: Yeah. Alright, well let's 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 dive into the, the signs that your that your marriage is heading for the for the danger zone. Danger zone. Thank you, thank you, you are ready, good job, Josh. <laughs> oh Charlene, you're used to it by now, right? <laughs> You know how many times when we were working on this that we would be like, the danger zone. Oh, I
1: was like, highway <laughs> to the." So anyways,
0: all right. So you know what happens at home. All right, so.
1: Fun and frustrated, we're such a, all in we're one Fun a. and
0: frustrating. So uh, sometimes you're like, no, Daniel, you don't get to put that in there. <laughs> I'm like, come on. So, all right. So let's talk about some of the signs where, where, when our marriage is in danger.
1: Yeah. Um, we actually had we had found seven of them that we felt were the leading numbers, but as you can read, um, number one lack of sexual intimacy
0: yeah I mean that's that's usually that usually allowed because you don't want to have that intimacy your your relationship's so uncomfortable that you know can I kiss her? Can she kiss me? Is this going to be okay? Am I going to be rejected? So you have all these, this, this uncomfortable. So the easiest thing is to do nothing. That's right. I mean, that is, that's one of those areas. And I will tell you how many times I've heard young men and, and, and young women even, and, and they're struggling in their marriage and they're like, we're afraid to initiate because it hasn't been good. Like, not, not the sexual part, but it has, like, our relationship hasn't been good. So because we fight and we argue, we don't have an intimacy. Well, guess what? That is a part of marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, when, when the intimacy is gone, that is probably a sign that there may be some, you may be in troubling waters. What do
1: we normally call it, though?
0: Date night, mate night? No. Oh, not either. that one.
1: Sorry, that, that's, <laughs> oh, oh, that's what we call it. i <laughs> Marital rights. Okay, Mary, I'm sorry. You're going way. So- <laughs> I was going more PG. You went way over and like TV. I was 16. all excited. It's like yes. So,
0: all right. You know okay. what? I, <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, so, <laughs> so I will tell. <laughs> I'll tell you this. There was a time in our marriage, and it was really, really early on where we were not getting along great and it was within the first year and second first and second year of our marriage that we actually had struggle we were struggling with intimacy and so when we went to get some counseling one of the things they told us and it was really great advice because we needed it at the time is that you needed to pick a night a date night and you needed to, to to prepare your mind mentally you need to flirt through the day and you need to both know that at the end of the day it's date night, mate night. I mean, you just got to, you know, and so you just have to, you, you got you to gotta be there, and you got to understand, you know, and, 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 and that's just, and so we did. And it felt awkward at first because, but then we started making it a joke. And, and so, I mean, you know, because. Our
1: kids love it.
0: And so, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's date night. It's date night, you know, and so the thing is, is that, you know. So it, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to sit down, and you have to make a little bit of a contract, to get through the bumpy roads. I mean, that's what we did. It was it was like Friday night. All right. So then she's like, well, you better be taking me out to dinner. I will wine and dine. Well, not the wine part, but we'll dine. So, um, all right. So the second one was feeling angry. Like when you're always angry at this person and the anger, listen to this. I want you to see how this trickles down. The feeling of anger leads to the next one, feelings of dread being around them. When you're angry with the person all the time, you begin to feel a dread and then when you're dreading each other you don't want to spend time together
1: and even alone time at that you know it it uh i guess i didn't really say that but almost like you're feeling dread of being alone with them because mm-hmm. of what you know it's gonna have to you are have to talk to them you know you don't really want to have the sexual intimacy you know it and anger And it's not just like an anger like occasionally like you'll fight and there's like an anger or a disdain like mm-hmm. broiling this is like a frequent thing. Every time you walk in, it's like, because there was a time in our life where it's like, there was, I mean, even when Danny was preaching, I mean, it would be the point where it's like, I don't even want to listen to you preach. Because it was like, we were having so much trouble at home. We stand up on the pulpit. You're like, "Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so what happens is that, that led to, that leads to a lack of respect for each other. Right? Think about it. If you spend all your time angry with the other person, you've stopped respecting them. What does the Bible say? The man was supposed to be considerate and respectful to his wife, and also the wife was to be respect. So when the respect is gone, there's issues. There's problems. So also that lack of respect goes to a lack of trust. Then ultimately, you dislike your spouse. You don't even want to be around them. You dislike them.
1: Which ultimately leads to the grand finale of you're having visions of the future without your spouse involved. Mm -hmm. So kind of like how Danny said, trickle down. It's almost, I would use a snowball effect. Like once one of those happened, and I would almost say the feeling of angry toward your spouse was, would probably fall in number one. And then it's like the dreading spend, spending alone time with them, lack of intimacy, all of that kind of snowballs and snowballs and small, snowballs until you get to the point where divorce is looking pretty nice. So my, what I want to challenge you guys, if you can check mark any one of that list, and say, that's in my marriage, you guys need to seek help now. Because the yep. thing is, is that yep. yes. it will just trickle down. It will just snowball effect, and it will get worse and get worse and get worse. And why live in just an okay relationship when it can be amazing? So sometimes it's, it's humbling yourself and asking for help. Because and, and, and
0: some of you guys don't know how far and how close we were to separation. Mm-hmm. Um, there had been three different times that we talked about it. And so we were in some bad places before, and I can tell you that, you know, counseling is, there's nothing wrong with counseling. We, nope. we went to counseling, we got the help that we needed, and it really turned our marriage around.
1: It did, so. yep. So the thing is, is that, um, so going into different statistics, um, What I would probably say is that through all of this envisioning of uh, your future about your spouse, which kind of of leads us to the main reasons for divorce in America.
0: Yeah, so uh, I want to answer this because there was this question that we were debating is, what's the number one cause of divorce? And I'm like, I got this. I got this. Everyone, anyone who's ever been divorced was first married. So marriage is the number one cause of divorce pretty good deductions, right?
1: Can you just imagine our conversations through different things we want to talk about in the sermon?
0: (laughs) Yep. Yep. So no, uh, joking aside the the number one came in with fighting. So this, this, where where we're sharing you right now, these are what divorced people said. This was the cause of my divorce. Number one was fighting. They couldn't stop fighting, Mm -hmm. arguing, conflict, um, all of, all of those things. That was number one. Number two
1: would be lack of commitment. Yeah. So those that didn't have the commitment, and I'm, and I'm just going to lay this out there. You know, a lot of people will say, well, divorce rate's actually lower than it is, than it was. And maybe that's true, but it's not because people are in a relationship. It's because people aren't getting married because of lack of commitment.
0: And, and a lot of times that, that they've seen so much of this nasty mess is that what happens in marriage is people are afraid to get married to begin with. And the thing is, is that marriage is God's idea. We, we just got to come back and say, God, how do you want us to do this? And if I'm not going to do it your way, I'm not going to do this at all. So here's the other thing is, is the third was uh, unfaithfulness, infidelity. But I want you to hear me. It's not just sexual, um, sexual um, adultery that falls into infidelity and unfaithfulness. Right. Adultery is also emotional affairs are still adultery. Right. Guess what, men? Pornography... Is still adultery. Right. Matthew chapter five. Jesus said, "If you look at a woman in lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you are involved with pornography, stop it. You are being unfaithful to your wife. You stop it. Wives, uh, actually, I read an article the other day that said that now one of the fastest growing um, levels of pornography is now among women. So, women, if you're involved in pornography, stop it. And the pornography stop for stop it or women... I'll bury you alive in a box."
1: And and the thing is, people are like, well, I don't look at pictures, I don't do this, blah, blah. You know, women don't. A lot of times, you know, one of the top-selling books is what? I call them trash novels is what I call them. But those romance novels, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, Magic Mike, all of those is a type of female pornography.
0: Right. So, number four, lack of communication. Number five was abuse. And abuse is physical, emotional substance. There's so many different forms of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them that I was really surprised when was how often people came in and said that they were divorced because they realized that their moral values were not the same, yeah. that they lacked shared interests. So financial problems.
1: Marrying too young.
0: Yep. That's, that, that's we, what they said. But you know what? I want you to hear me. The Bible actually gives the number one cause of divorce, and it's not any of these. Mm-hmm. You guys want it? Yeah. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter ten. Mark chapter ten. The setting is the Pharisees, and we're 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 close to the end. I know that uh, uh, it's it's time to get our praise on here in a little bit, so just just hold on with a little bit longer. But in Mark chapter ten, the Pharisees were were. Um, Attacking the Lord and they were trying to trying to get him in a vice, you know They're trying to get him to say something that wouldn't match up So they said hey some of the Pharisees came to test him and they said is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Okay, now there's the question boom. It's out. Jesus then replied. What did Moses command? Okay Well, they said Moses Permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. I want you to understand that whole sending away part a lot of times we don't see it the same today because we see you know, divorce where they go to court and the judge decides and now the wife has half of whatever and all that kind of stuff, but not in the first century. In the first century, the, wife would, the, the, the woman would leave her entire family and she would go and most of the time the, the, the husband would be building onto his father's house. So when he brought her to marry him, she came into his life, Right? So then if he divorced her, he just basically take a hike. She, women did not have major careers then. They did not have very many ways of making money. They were mainly homemakers. And so this was a very big issue. When, and then basically once you were divorced... You were not uh, a candidate for remarrying. Very. I mean, there was no, remarriage happened more for the men than it was permitted for women.
1: And what was really hard for women was that when they were sent away and they could try and go back to their, their father's house and live there because women didn't own anything. So they would go back. And depending on the father and the, and, and the mom was whether or not they were permitted to come back. Sometimes because of divorce, the women were shamed. And the family would not take them back into their house. So now this wife, this, this one that was sent away is now homeless. And then they usually, in order to provide for them, they would join the you know, oldest career in the world. And that's as a
0: prostitution. prostitution. So one of the things that, that he says right after he said, they said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce to send her away. And now listen to how Jesus replied. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. You know what the number one cause of divorce? Hard hearts. There it is. Number one. Jesus said this is the reason why Moses allowed you to get a divorce. Because you had a hard heart. Your hard hearts come from unforgiveness. It comes from bitterness and anger and unresolved issues. That have built up over time. Because he kept sweeping it under a rug. Guys. Hard hearts, that's where it comes from. That's right. An unwillingness to forgive, an unwillingness to, to, to respect and honor and work beside each other. So, one of the things that we want to share with you today, because I know that it's in church it's so difficult because if somebody's ever went through a divorce, then they feel like, there's no life after that or if they're going through or they've been divorced or they're single. And, and it, I want you to know that here's the thing. The Bible says that if somebody commits adultery, that the, other, the spouse then does have a biblical right to divorce them because of infidelity and unfaithfulness. That, there's, it's, it's a biblical excuse and or again, a biblical way again out. Again, that, it,
1: and, that, that uh, unfaithfulness is not just physical adultery. It's also emotional, verbal
0: Pornography. Yep. If you're involved in pornography, your spouse has a biblical right to divorce you. That's right. I hope you hear me on that. And it's not what I would hope for people. I, my, um, my brother-in-law shared his, his amazing testimony last year. And part of that testimony was, was a, an act of unfaithfulness. And I was so proud to watch how my sister went through this entire Entire thing is, she she says God called me into this marriage and He placed me in this marriage and we will work through this. Mm-hmm. And they have an amazing, amazing marriage.
1: And they sought counseling and they applied what the counselors told yes. them, and that's what helped. Walk there was them life
0: this. after that's unfaithfulness. Right. There was a marriage after that. But see, she couldn't. She couldn't. That. She couldn't enter into that with a hard heart because just because you stayed together doesn't mean that there that that hey you know so there had to come a point in this life where the hard heart couldn't be there you can't just say well we're married but I have a hard heart against you that doesn't work She had to move forward, Mm -hmm. had to let the past go. They had to apply these things to their life. And so the other part of this is the abuse of relationships. Even though that's not in the Bible, one of the things that we've found is if somebody is abusing the other, this is verbal, physical, sexual, uh, substance abuse, and they're unwilling to change, they're unwilling to repent and change in their life, then sometimes it's safer to get out of that, right, to get away from that. And so the thing is, is that sometimes divorce is what's going to happen. It's, it is the inevitable thing because someone won't repent. Somebody won't change, right? And there's life after that if that's what happens. But I would sure hope that you would do everything that you could possibly do to fight for that, True. to fight for marriage, to fight for what God wanted you to have in this. And here's the thing. You know, what we, I shared last week is men have, have something inside of them there's this 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 desire to be a victorious warrior that's why we like the movies that we like we love brave heart those types of you know you want to you want to fight and you want to be victorious but i want you to hear me men are you fighting for your wife are you fighting against your wife Mm
1: -hmm.
0: are you fighting for her does she know that you're fighting for her
1: And wives, are you fighting for the marriage and for, the, for, your, for your husband? Are you being a helpmate? Are you being what he needs to be the man? Sometimes it takes a woman to be the helpmate and be the person to help lift the husband to where he needs to be as well.
0: There's been a lot of times where I have been so discouraged just in life that my wife was the one who helped lift me up. I needed her, and there's been times that she's needed me. Here's the reality. In a marriage, you need each other. That's right. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And here's something that I want you guys to to seriously contemplate. Have you allowed your heart to become hard towards your spouse? That's the starting point. Guys, that's the number one reason. That's the number one reason. When you have a hard heart towards somebody, it means that, that you have anger towards them that you have not resolved. You have not fixed this. You have not forgiven. You cannot, you, 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 can't, you can't have forgiveness and a hard heart. Hard hearts are from a lack of forgiveness. So the first thing that I would tell you to do is that you, if you want to remove the hard heart, then you must forgive. And you do it now. But here's the deal. Understand this. Forgiving that person, forgiving doesn't bring reconciliation. It's not the same thing. Reconciliation is not the same thing as forgiveness. Forgiveness is the starting point. Forgiveness is canceling the debt. Then you must begin to work through your differences. You're going to have to have counseling or you're going to have to have some tough conversations but the point being is that you that's when it's that's when you can't work on it if you're still embittered towards each other so the first thing is if i'm angry and i my heart is growing hard towards my wife i'm going to first forgive her then we're going to begin to have conversations my second question to you is this are you fighting for your marriage Are you fighting for your relationship? Are you fighting for your kids? Are you fighting for your parents? Or are you in a place where you're fighting against them? Every time you walk into the room, every time you see them, you draw the sword and you're ready to fight them. Are you you tired of fighting? Listen to me. If you're tired of fighting, and this goes in all relationships, if you're tired of fighting then put away your sword. Jesus said, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. If your marriage is living by the sword, it will die by the sword. Put your swords away. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you would say that that is an issue, a major issue, In your home, your relationship, is that you're spending too much time fighting against each other. Don't look around. Nobody's looking. Keep your eyes closed and raise your hand. If that's at you, if it's you, then raise your hand and be honest. Too much fighting is going on in my home. Too much. Anybody here been struggling with hard hearts? Anybody? Got some bitterness that's building? Listen, I will always challenge you men to lead out. When Jesus said that he was the good shepherd, he said that he leads his sheep out. So men, if you are thinking that in your home there's too much fighting, you need to be the first one to initiate the change. You need to go to your spouse and apologize for your part in this. You will be the first one. Don't wait. Don't let pride destroy your marriage. You be the first to grab your wife by the hand. You be the first to initiate the conversation. You be the first to initiate change. And I promise you, I, I can tell you it's not going to be easy. But don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. The Bible says that There's a harvest in store for those who don't give up. You want a harvest in that marriage, men? Do not give up. So this altar is now open. Your heads are still bowed. Your eyes are closed. This is about you and what you need to do in your life. If you feel like you need to lay some things down, maybe you've got some hardness that needs to be let down. But you know what? An altar is not just for laying things down. It's also a place to praise God to lay your praises down. Maybe you're sitting in here and you feel like you're the most blessed man in the room because of the wife that God gave you. Maybe you just need to bring her up and say, God, I'm so thankful that you put this woman in my life and I want to praise you at this altar. Altars are not just for sin, struggles, burdens, and pain. It's also for praise.